0: can't say it's Monday because it's Wednesday. So happy Wednesday, everybody.
1: Our first Wednesday show
0: no? It is. We've had one. I
1: think. We've had a Thursday. We've had a Saturday. I don't think we've had a Wednesday. Sheriff one was a Wednesday morning, wasn't it? Was, was it? I remember Wednesday. Well, now I got to go back.
2: We'll my, look my calendar him. Good to be back with you all.
0: Yeah. Uh, TGIW. You guys, TGIW. So seriously. Hope you guys had a fantastic Labor Day. Hope you guys enjoyed it with your family, your friends, your loved ones. Um, we want to thank see we were going we we were going to do a show on monday but we were like you know what we'll take the we'll take the labor day off so we could have you on here and uh, make this happen because this was, as Armon mentioned, this was it took it took some time to get three you years in the making. Yeah, <laughs> wow. so we want to we want to thank Doctor Sabine Hazen for taking time out of her Wednesday to be with us. My
3: yes. pleasure. So thanks w- for having.
0: We're going to be talking about a lot of things, guys. We're gonna be talking about gut health. We're going to talk about microbiomes, the uh, effects of reversing COVID vaccines. So uh, if you guys are tuning in, this is a very very special episode. Like I said, uh, it took us time to get you know, Dr. Hazen on the show. So uh, share this podcast, whether you're watching it on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, doesn't matter. Text it to people. We want people to join us, bring your questions as well. Cause if you have questions for the doctor, you could ask it live on the air and Armand will read it out and uh, we can get as much information out as possible. But uh, thank you, Dr. Hazen, for taking time out of your Wednesday.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So before we get into the nitty gritty of the podcast, just very quickly, tell us about a little bit about yourself, the background, and how you got into medicine.
3: Uh, so I'm a gastroenterologist by trade. I've been doing GI uh, for almost three decades and uh, started clinical research, clinical trials, doing clinical trials for pharmaceutical companies at the beginning of my uh, training in at University of Florida. So the first year was really mostly research. And then became a clinician. So at the beginning of my career, I was doing maybe 10% clinical trials and 90% clinical GI. And then with kids, a husband that's a cardiologist, it kind of became 50-50 and then 90% clinical trials and 10% GI. Um, You know, needless to say, I've done a lot of clinical trials for pharmaceutical companies from, you know, Um, psoriasis trials to cholesterol trials to, um, you know, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's. I was always a principal investigator for uh, multiple pharmaceutical companies from Pfizer to Amgen to Merck, you name it, Salix, you name it. So um, over the years, um, I was always known as the doctor that was recruiting for a condition called Clostridium difficile, which is a bacteria you get especially if you take a lot of antibiotics. And um, these patients would enter the clinical trial, and if, they didn't, if it didn't uh, work for them, I would do a procedure called fecal transplant. Which is basically if the
1: antibiotics didn't work for them or what? Correct.
3: Okay. And they still had C. diff, I would do a procedure called fecal transplant.
1: C. diff is what for those?
3: Clostridium doctor? difficile, which is which a bacteria is... that causes diarrhea. Okay,
0: Fecal so, transplant.
3: Yes, as it sounds. That sounds so weird. Yes, and believe me, I did not want to do that. But when a patient's dying, you have to do whatever you can to save them. So I played with poop and put it in their colons. Was
1: that being done at the time?
3: Yeah, it was done freely at the time. Most doctors, you know, Dr. Barotti started it in the 1980s. And other doctors kind of, you know, at the beginning, people thought, you know, what is this? What's going on? That's not going to work. And I remember I was a, re- a fellow at University of Florida and uh, Dr. Neil Stolman kind of took me on the posters and said, see, this is the future. The future is going to be poop. And um, and then, you know, about 16, actually probably close to 20 years ago now, because time flies. We were yeah, just talking about yeah. how COVID just, you know, erased four years of my life. Um, so when clinical trials when in you know when they didn't work, I would put my patients towards fecal transplant this procedure, and I would call Neil and say, "You won't believe this. This is working." And I think a lot of us GI doctors started seeing it work. And in fact, they started a stool bank for doctors. So we used to have a stool bank. We still have the stool bank actually, where we would use stools if we didn't have donors. So like for example, I would, you would come to me with diarrhea, see if you want your spouse to be your donor. I would test her stools and then she would be your donor for fecal transplant. When fecal transplant became a clinical trial on my desk, I kid you not, and not for one company, but like two, three, four, and I started seeing all these clinical trials on fecal material in capsules, I said, wow, wow. We're in the shit business and we have no idea what the hell we're doing. <laughs> and so, and I'm like, talk about like pharma really selling shit. I mean, like this is, there's so many jokes I, I was making about it too. And I said, and then, so I started trying to understand what I was doing when I was achieving improvement in fecal transplant. And then that got me to the microbiome because there were companies that were starting to sell toolkits. Remember yeah, way back? Ubiome and all these companies. And everybody was rushing. And my population is, my clientele is from Malibu. So they're always ahead of the game with all this technology. So they would come to me and say, Look, you didn't do the stool test on me. What kind of GI doctor are you? You don't even know anything about the gut. And I'm like, What are you talking about? Let me look at this stool test. And I would call my colleagues and say, What do you make of these stool tests? And they're like, It's not validated. It's, you know, it's, it's not real. It's a scam. So I became a detective, right? So I started calling, like, uh, the rep from the company, and I said, hey, uh, who are your donors? And then he said to me, oh, the donors are the owners of the company. I'm mm-hmm. like, wait, so the whole world is being compared to the owners of the company? What are they, Superman and Wonder Woman? Like, what the hell? How do they? What makes them super donors, right, or super microbiomes, to be compared? And so the guy was fired, a week later, because I tried to start doing these testing. So I started sending tests to different companies, and I wasn't getting the same result for the same stool study. And so that's when I decided, you know what, I want to understand the microbiome, I want to understand what we're seeing when we're improving, you know, I had a case of Alzheimer's that improved with fecal transplant. So I wanted to understand what microbe was playing a role, right? What microbe, is there a microbe that could be the cause of Alzheimer's? So I had all these questions and I was in clinical trials and, you know, you have to remember having done so many clinical trials, almost 300, you know, you, you see all these protocols on your desk, you read these protocols, you see what's coming up the pipeline, right? You're always in the cutting edge because, you know... So I know it's like yeah, there's so <laughs> well, many puns there. I want to
0: ask you this before you continue with the story. So I mean, hold that train of thought. When you talk about fecal transplants, you're you're really talking about taking poop poop from
3: yes. from yes. someone yes.
2: else, and then what, How does this all work? And yeah, th- that's what so I'm. So to they yeah.
3: poop in a container. You take the container. You put it in a blender with some you know liquid, and then you put it in the in the colon of a person so, by a colon. But, but what? Yeah.
0: What's the premise behind that? Was it trying to find out okay, so the good bacteria, the bad bacteria? Because normally so it's, an, premise, it's an exit only. Yes. So <laughs> it's
3: an exit only. But guess what? If you've killed your gut and you have no microbes in there, you need an entry. That's what we kind of like figured out uh, when we started looking at the microbiome, really. It was. Wow these people that had C diff they didn't just have the bacteria with C diff they had a vacant gut there was like no there was a lot of space there were no microbes in there
0: nothing not even good bacteria nothing
3: no there were no good bacteria it was just basically a just desolate bad bacteria. gut it was just bad bacteria and C oh, diff so that was-, was allowed to flourish
1: but okay so to clarify because we we urinate and we poop Yes. Isn't that the body's, the organism's yes. method of
3: evacuating?
1: This, yeah, evacuating what's You're not absolutely needed. Absolutely right. So, how? Why
3: are you putting it back in?
1: Yeah. What's essential in the poop yeah. where you can put it back in? Microbes. So, why are so those it, microbes so being. So,
3: technically, it's not a fecal transplant anymore. We should call it microbiota transplant. So it's microbes that we're transplanting. So why are those
1: microbes coming out if it's essential for the body?
3: Well, some microbes, the the bad microbes are coming out, but you have lost the good microbes. You've lost the balance. You've lost your, okay, so let let me go back. This procedure started in the 5th century China, where they used to treat the Chinese people that had cholera with what they called the yellow soup.
1: What's a cholera?
3: It's a, it's basically an infection that mm-hmm. killed people, right? So, mm-hmm. so during the time of cholera, and I'm sorry, my French comes back, <laughs> le choléra. So, anyway, the, there you go. <laughs> so when during um, during those times to fix <laughs> people's diarrhea and to fix the patients, they would give what's called a yellow soup, mm-hmm. and the yellow soup, it was feces that they gave people in the fifth century, China now fast forward, um, 1500 years. No, no. Fast forward. Now, um, you know, we're in, actually they started doing it, um, world war two. They, the, the, the soldiers in Germany were stuck in Africa and had diarrhea and they were given camel poop to survive. So that became also a procedure. In fact, Hitler during World War II, and this is going to shock you guys, had some GI problems, flatulence. His doctor gave him feces from a peasant, from a villager, thinking that's going to make him robust, right? And then eventually he ended up having mental illness and then multiple strokes. And this was ingested. Ingested. So he ingested poop. There's actually stories. About just Google Hitler and feces, yeah. Because what see. you're, what you're, but we're not going to go there, yeah,
0: yeah, we're not going to go there. But what you're talking about is so, is exit out, blend, microbes are taken out, important gut health,
3: important, and put back. Just and, don't
1: and, use the same blender you use for your morning shake, well, yeah, of
3: don't course, do not.
0: Yes. You, th- those are in the shaker. You, you keep that, we that we a, separate, a separate, oh, I don't know, tomorrow morning.
1: <laughs> 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 no, in
3: fact, like I dispose of the blenders every time,
1: so <laughs> this is kind of <laughs> gamey, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but again.
3: So the process, you're right. So God made us that we evacuate the bad Yes, what's well, not needed. You're not supposed but to But you're putting it back into yes. somebody else's organism so, now. Well, in, 19, in the 1950s, a, a physician, Dr. Einsman, was a colorectal surgeon, and he had two cases of Clostridium difficile. And he said, these people are dying. I'm just going to take stools from their family members and put them by enema to those people, and they cured so from 1950 to like 1980, Dr. Barotti started doing a lot of, he saw this as a potential and started doing a lot of fecal transplant for C. diff in Australia. And then when he did it in Australia, he saw he was fixing other things. And so the field started opening up to what's going on there. So I took this field as to instead of just doing fecal transplant, I took it to the next level to try to understand what are we seeing in the microbiome that makes it that we need to put some microbes in the colon, what has been lost, what is over accumulated and what has, what is missing. So the missing component, the missing microbes to me is more important than the microbe that's overgrown. Because people come to me all the time with, I've got candida in my gut, I've got, you know, E. coli, I've got C. diff, I've got this. And to me, it's important to see not only what's overgrown, but also what's missing. So the missing microbes Mm -hmm. is essentially what we are placing. Now, the problem is we're not at the level in medicine where we could say, well, guess what? You're missing A, B, C, D microbes. We're going to put you A, B, C, D microbe in your colon. We're not there yet, right? Because we haven't even figured out the whole relationship of all these microbes, the balance, you know.
0: So it's still in like a trial-error process. Oh, 100%.
3: So all we can do is basically take stools, put them in, and then when we see that the patient is improving, we could see what happened, what dynamics
1: changed.
2: When you say we could see, is that through tests you're doing during this whole time? What are you testing for?
3: So we do, uh, we do genetic sequencing of the gut. So my company, which basically was an, you know, was an idea that came because I wanted to understand what was happening in Alzheimer's, and so I you know, went to the doctor who wrote the book on anaerobic infections of the gut, Dr. Sidney Feingold, and I said, Dr. Feingold, what am I seeing when I'm improving Alzheimer's with, with putting stools in the colon, right? And he said, well, you're looking at the microbiome in action and I've been culturing these people with Alzheimer's and I found microbes and nobody was interested in pharmaceutical companies to, to invest and to, to look at his data. So, yeah. So he gave me this paper and he said, put this in a safe. And when you open your lab, you're going to find these microbes that I've been looking for, for Alzheimer's. And he also had a huge role in autism. So, you know, I didn't think I was going to open a lab. I said, ah, I'm not going to open a lab. And then, you know, COVID hit, not COVID, um, Woolsey fire in Malibu happened and my backyard burnt. And I get a phone call from the family. We want to give you the books of Dr. Feingold and we want to give you all his papers. And literally I left my house, didn't even care, could be burned to the ground. And I took a truck, I, I rented a truck and picked up all his books. Like we're talking like you know, a thousand books and papers. And my husband thought I was crazy. And I said, you don't understand. And he First of all, he signed every single book. I mean, this man was a genius. He had a vision uh, that nobody could see. Right. And I just, you know, I just felt like tag. I'm it. This is me. And it was so funny because when he gave me that paper of, of Alzheimer's, he saw like this big spot. He had a biggest smile on his face because he actually ended up, you know, having a big focus on Alzheimer's. That was like his whole life, you know, looking at Alzheimer's. He died at 97 years old, I think probably playing from all these microbes, but I became good friends with the son and, you know, none of the kids went into medicine. So nobody really wanted all these books and I just took it on and, you know, installed. And then basically, you know, when, when, something happened to me during the Wolsey fire because I was in charge of the supplies in Malibu. So I was bringing in all the supplies to my neighbors. And, you know, it just, it was like that courage where you just I didn't know what I was getting into when the fire hit, because you remember when we all, we all thought Malibu was burning, right? Yeah. Everybody was like, that's it. That's it. And then there was an email blast that I sent to all my neighbors over a hundred emails And most people were still in their homes. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought Malibu's burning. So all my neighbors are burning probably. So I need to go in there and like save them and help them. And, you know, I just went in with a, you know, I went to the hospital, pick up like a thousand masks or whatever to just distribute it in Malibu. Because if you know anything about people in Malibu, they're very like stoic. They're very, you know, they're going to hose down their houses. They're going to stay. They're not going to like let their houses burn. So they were really, you know, heroes. And so when I stepped in, you know, it was kind of like that, that movement got to me and I just felt like, hey, you know what? I feel good doing this and helping my neighbors, right? And then, and so I had a decision. Do I focus on rebuilding my house that burned, you know, like, you know, the whole backyard that burned, or do I focus on building a genetic sequencing lab? And I had all these books and I said, you know what? Maybe God is sending me a message, and maybe I should just.
2: Do you think it was more like you wanted to continue his legacy of what he his work you know, at least?
3: I'm a curious person by nature. I'm like probably one of the things that attracted me to medicine was really understanding the human body. Where do we come from? Where do we go? That's that's been my obsession since I was five years that's old. That's every human. Being. No, but most human beings live in this planet and they're kind of, you know, for me, it's, oh, let me look at myself on social media and let me, you know, it's all about me, me, me. You Human beings don't really think about life after death or where do we go after we die? Do we even go anywhere after we die, right? And to me, the whole process of dying is really these microbes in your gut just take your body, decompose you into the ground. So you end up in the ground. Those, What are those microbes doing in the ground? Do they intermingle with other microbes and then come back through a plant or a tree or something. So that's my, that's my interest, right? Understanding. So I have a curiosity would put it that way.
1: How would you describe a microbiome? What is a microbiome?
3: So the microbiome is really, you know, all the microbes that are um, microorganisms that are all around us in our bodies, in the environment, um, you know, I'm focusing on the gut microbiome, which is basically microbes that are in the gut, but on your skin, there's lots of microbes on in your hair. There's lots of microbes, your face, your eyes, your, you know, your are everywhere.
1: The trees and mountains, the soil, everything. There's, everything. there's
3: microbes in a volcano, there's microbes in the deep oceans, there's microbes everywhere
1: everywhere that's microbes natural.
2: Microbes are mini organisms.
3: Yeah, so they're mi- they are microscopic organisms. organisms that you cannot see. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's accumulation of bacteria, viruses, fungus, you name it. So it's microorganisms. And what's fascinating is so they're called microorganisms because you can only see them either through a microscope, but now so many so you know, in the olden days we used to do what's called co- cultures. We still do cultures of you know, let's say you have an infection in your hand and you have, you know, pus that's coming out, you're going to culture that and you're going to put it on a petri dish and it's going to grow and you're going to look at the petri dish and you're going to say, oh, you know what? These microbes look like this bacteria because that's what this bacteria looks like, right? So then we know that with this bacteria, this antibiotic works, right? Because we've tried it. So Mm -hmm. now we have a different technology where we not only see these microbes but we see you know thousands of other microbes that we had no idea what they were doing
0: yeah i mean going back in the day when you would see some of these uh you know just stories of people you know using leeches and maggots to like you know take uh uh basically cure a cut or a wound. It would say oh look the leech or the maggot is gonna kill the bacteria obviously there was no antibiotics back then but you know so many people died of those simple wounds because it was just it was just all these microbiomes going inside your body and just making it worse but speaking of antibiotics what are your thoughts of antibiotics because to be honest i'm kind of on the fence with it i'm mm-hmm. very i'm i've always been Scared of it because it's like, look, you're taking antibiotics. It's not only killing the good bacteria in your body, it's also killing the bad bacteria in your body. So it's like, you know, you go back and you take probiotics to kind of replenish all that. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts as a doctor on antibiotics?
3: So I think we've, let me go back. So antibiotics are antibacteria. So in other words, if you have a bacteria, like a pneumonia and you're dying, or you have a pneumonia period, and it's a bacteria. Or well, you have only- an infection so- in the in the hand that's going into sepsis. Right, you need antibiotics.
0: Well, not only that. Let's say, for example, you go and you visit the doctor, and you have you pull a tooth. They'll give you painkillers, yes, so and then I, they'll give you antibiotics. Yes, so or you have strep, I, they'll give you antibiotics.
3: And, and even with NGI, in the olden days, we used to give antibiotics before we did an endoscopy or before we even did a colonoscopy yes. on some patients that had heart problems now we've kind of stepped away from that because we know that there's a risk to this and the risk of having an infection from an endoscopy or a colonoscopy is very very minimal so we no longer do that so i think as we progress as doctors you know feel more comfortable you know even dentists like you know, my daughter just had like her wisdom teeth removed and uh, the dentist was really good and didn't remove, didn't, I didn't even talk to him. In fact, my daughter was like, mom, you're not allowed to come to the doctor. (laughs) I don't want you freaking him out. I don't want you doing anything. Dad is coming with me because dad makes me happy. So my husband went with her and, um, the dentist didn't give her antibiotics after literally opening her gums and suturing and removing the wisdom teeth. Wow. So, and guess what? That was the right call. Nothing happened to her. She's a young, healthy kid. Why would you give antibiotics, right?
1: If you ask me, antibiotics should only be used if it's a uh, life or death situation, which in, in an average human lifetime, maybe two or three times.
3: I think it's risk benefit, right? Risk benefit ratio. If you know your patient is going to decompensate because they have a lot of comorbidities, you probably need to hit them with antibiotics because you know they're going to decompensate, right? But if your if your patient is healthy and depends on what it is, right? Depends on what the infection is. So, because, see, for example, had- urinary tract infections, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you need antibiotics for that. I know. I don't know. You know, women that. That, you know, yes, you could try the cranberry juice. Yes, you could try, you know, but if you're gonna need antibiotics.
0: Even my daughter Eileen, she had strep throat about when we were going to San Diego, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Mm-hmm. She got strep throat. And we have a one and a half year old at home. My wife really quickly was like, it's strep throat. I could see white dots. Um, I I gotta get her antibiotics. And I was like, Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? 'Cause like I said, I've been very on the fence with it. And she was, That's the only thing that'll that'll kill that bacteria. Right. So right. you know, she talked she talked to the pediatrician, pediatrician took a look at it and said, Yeah, it's it's strep throat. Get her on antibiotics so she's not contagious because once she's on it for twenty four hours, then she's no longer contagious right. anymore. So I mean there's there's those factors as well where you gotta be cautious as to right. your surroundings.
3: And, and strep throat can cause problems down the road, you know, cardiac. So you really wanna you know, be careful with that. So I think it's really, but here's the problem with antibiotics. When people have a little sniffle of a cold respiratory, you know, inf- viral infection, they're given antibiotics, right? Yeah. When people have ear infections, it's not necessarily bacterial. It's most of the time, it's a viral, viral. Right. infection. They're given antibiotics. So now you get, you know, multi, you have all these kids that are get, you know, they see each other at school. They're not playing outside. They're, touching each other they're infected then they infect the other one they have an ear infection and so you start this big phenomena of treating over treating these kids look at all those
0: kids in those uh nurseries where those not not preschool but uh those daycares Mm -hmm. where uh one kid would get foot and mouth disease and then they would come back to the same nursery again and all of a sudden Half the entire nursery has foot and mouth disease, and that's something that can kill you, and it's bacterial. Well, that's
1: different because, look, number one rule as a parent: your kid is sick, keep him home. That's a that's, that's a that's a that's that's, a, that's the biggest what issue. That's yes. the biggest. That issue. would be
3: a nice thing to do, yeah. but here you, but the problem is people don't abide by these things. I'll tell you, I I was no, on an airplane. if I was a,
1: sorry if I was a school administrator,
3: you would say I
1: would say, Mister So and So, missus So and So. Mom and dad, please come pick up your child. That's why you can't he, be a school. He, he or she is in the, uh, in the uh, whatever room we have. Nurse's you know, Safe zone, the nurse's, <laughs> nurses quarantine. office. Quarantine. Quarantine yes. office. Come pick him or her right. up. Right. That's it. Right. There's no exceptions. They because now, no, you have to. Because now, the now I'm exposing the, my staff, the rest of my students, children, yeah. that... Why am I going to risk Bro, 20, see, 30, 100?
2: If administration did that, 30% of the kids wouldn't be in school every day. It's not. And it's fine, you're still it's fine. paid.
0: No. Yes. It's an excused absence. It's an, yeah, of course. Let me put so it to you this way. Excused. My daughter started, school started uh, two weeks ago, right? And that's when my daughter had strep. So she's on antibiotics. I And, you know, my wife and I look at each other. We go, so what are we doing? It's the first day of school. Are we taking her? And as parents, as responsible parents, we decided, no, no, she's not going because what's going to happen is she's going to go to school, infect everybody, and obviously no no one's going to know where it came from, who had it. But as parents, we said, you know what? Let's message the teacher. Let's tell her, you know what? I'm sorry, but I know it's the first day of school and everybody's taking their pictures with their little signs and everything, getting excited for the first day of school, but she's not going to be coming on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. We'll see you on Monday. Simple as that. That's, that was me sacrificing time away from work. My wife time away from work in order to be responsible parents. Now it's unfortunate. This is going more of a socialist, more of a societal issue, but um, parents look at school as a babysitting service.
3: Yeah. But I think also like you see it in airplanes, people that are, not responsible enough and they're hacking on an airplane and coughing and they should have just stayed home and rescheduled.
1: A- airplane is a little different because certain things you can't reschedule. Certain things, even if you want to reschedule, there's a fee, there's, you know, it, it, there's co- there's inconvenience with I, flights. But I think
3: we haven't, I mean, I have so many, you know, what, we could have, you know, especially with COVID, you know, there's so many people should have just...
1: Look, That's uh, the only time I tell, I will recommend people guys don't shoot me for this is if you're going to be on a plane you have a cold or something as ineffective as it is at least put on a mask
3: yeah, yeah. i mean that but i think covid more importantly you know it's just because if you're sick on an airplane with covid well, you should not be going on that airplane i think the, you know it's just it's it to me it's irresponsible sick like I would, anything
0: it doesn't even have to be
1: COVID. like i yeah but you i don't can. know like you're flying to europe what are you going to do? Schedule, you have two weeks off. Live. You have two weeks off. You well, already had there, the days off. You're gonna reschedule. You you re- you're the gonna years. adjust your PTO. Your kids well, are guess summer. guess what? When t-
3: it was mandated by the government, they had to do it. Well, so what was mandated? When they stopped everybody from going out. Remember? Well, the that's different the because pandemic? you just
1: didn't plan anything.
0: I mean, it, it would go back to what you basically said. I mean, put on a put on a mask or something and just. I, can, I still
2: can't believe both of you said put on a mask. Today. Well, what
0: else are you gonna? <laughs> you're <do>? not gonna <laughs> hear that
2: from me. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But what else are you gonna do? This is being recorded, Jim. No, no.
1: Even if it has a temper effect in that situation well, it's I, 10%, it's kind of like, then, you know i can Listen, say i agree I but i can't say well that. Let, I... me,
0: let me ask you this if let's say for example you were not sick and you were taking a flight somewhere right mm-hmm. and we just mentioned it as far as like you know making an exception and all this stuff and somebody sat next to you and was coughing their lungs out during the flight what's the first thing that would go through your head oh, oh yeah COVID. getting sick <laughs> <laughs> not only COVID, it would be like why are you on the plane yeah
3: Right, I get right. it, and
0: we just went through scenarios as yeah. far as you know. We scheduled so it. And-
3: I, I, I choked one time on a an airplane, and I was like, "Are coughing. you serious?" I was like, I drank the wrong way, and then I was coughing, and I'm like, "Guys, it's not COVID." Like I announced it to the whole right. plane because you know that awkward feeling when you're coughing and everybody's looking at you like, oh my god, it's yeah. COVID. Yeah, I mean, after twenty
0: twenty, it's it's better for you to fart in front of people than it is to cough. <laughs> well,
3: like. and then guess what? That'll probably spread the virus faster <laughs> too. Yeah,
1: shit your parents let's turn the plane around, but do not cough.
3: Do not cough.
1: No, see, Ninette mentioned about antibiotics and ear infection. This is something I wholeheartedly agree with, and I talk about it all the time with parents and I mentioned robert reddick earlier the functional medicine guy when you take antibiotics and you have an ear infection for children pediatricians prescribing antibiotics like it's you know it's uh, m&ms or something mm-hmm. that ear infection now becomes chronic mm-hmm. and now you have an ear infection every three six months whereas i think an ear infection is a gut issue if you if you fix the gut of that child that ear infection is going to go away for life. But antibiotics, all it does is, is it makes sure that it comes back again. Right. And that's why kids who take antibiotics, especially for ear infections, are at the ENT every six months, every three months, every 12 months.
0: Constant ear
3: infection. Yeah, and you're, Constant, you're, you're probably guaranteed. right. I, I think it is. A, I'm not you know, a doctor. No, no, but you're probably but, right. I think it is a gut in, You know, listen, I, I, to me, you know, I'm like a hammer. Everything's a nail. But to me, everything's in the gut, right? I mean, yeah. asthma, listen, we we there's data that when you um, treat the gut, you improve asthma. How does the right. gut and lungs? Because here's what happens. Circulation goes through the gut, right? Microbes travel through blood vessels. They travel through, you know, nerves. So essentially, if you're fixing the gut, you're fixing the good microbes in the gut. And then the bad stuff from the lung gets to go back to the, to the gut to kind of evacuate eventually.
0: You mentioned Alzheimer's, which mm-hmm. is a disease that a lot of people kind of
3: are having a lot. Yeah, more.
0: and it's it's they don't re a lot of people don't realize that it's a it's a major killer in the human mm-hmm. population. Where, you know, they come you could compare it to cancer.
1: It's surpassing cancer.
0: Yeah, you can as far as death rate. But
1: but, but you you know why people aren't concerned about it because visually at least it doesn't look as scary as cancer
0: and it happens to a lot of elderly people
1: but well yes but now the 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 age is actually going down so younger more younger and younger Uh, people are
0: and it's it's a very scary disease because you know i've witnessed uh, you know my no, no nobody in my family had it but i know my friend's grandfather had it and When you talk about scary and, you know, you talk about cancer patients going through chemo, radiation and Mm -hmm. all that stuff where it takes a toll not only on the body, but, you know, emotionally as well. This one was, it was insane. Like his grandfather sat down with us, had a full meal at lunch. And 15 minutes later, he turns around and says, what are we eating?
3: Right. And we said, yeah,
0: it was like, you know, grandpa, you just, you just ate. He goes, no, no, I, I, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. Right. And it got worse and worse to the point where. You know, when we, my friend and I were speaking, he goes, uh, you know, I, I walked in and my grandfather asked me who I was. Right. So, you know, eventually, you know, the brain kind of, not only the brain, but the lungs, the heart, everything just kind of mm-hmm. shuts down because the brain is shutting down. So you mentioned Alzheimer's and the gut. Please elaborate on that, because I can't. So
3: I had a case where the patient was um, had Alzheimer's and C. diff, the bacteria that I talked about at the beginning, and had diarrhea, and so we, um, you know, I tried to give him antibiotics. It didn't work for his C. diff because you give antibiotics for C. diff, which is kind of counterproductive because it kind of causes C. diff to <laughs> yeah. begin with. So, but I demonstrated that, like when I speak in my lectures, I'm like, okay, here's the microbiome. We have a patient with C. diff. His diversity is 1.3. And now I'm going to give him antibiotics, and his diversity is going to drop to 0.8. And now I'm going to give him more antibiotics, and his diversity is going to drop to 0.7. And then we're going to take stools from his wife, and we're going to put it back into his colon. And lo and behold, the diversity goes up to 4 because what was the problem? He was losing all his diversity of his microbiome. Because of and we the kept killing it with yes. the antibiotics. So here's a patient. I gave him three loads of antibiotic because that that was back then, it was kind of like the guidance from the FDA was like recurrent C diffs. so you had to treat three times. And if you didn't treat it three times, you could do fecal transplant. So I used his wife, who was super sharp, and this guy was, you know, I tried to put him in a clinical trial for Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a mini-mental status on him, and his mini-mental status was 21, which is really low for, you know, really severe Alzheimer's, okay? And he couldn't even fit in the criteria for the clinical trial because he was too severe. So basically, I do fecal transplant on this guy because he has diarrhea. he's no quality of life. He used to golf. No, you know, he's at home. He doesn't remember his daughter's date of birth. Nothing. He doesn't remember his daughter. Nothing. Wow. A month later, he comes into my office and he's really happy after fecal transplant. He's really happy. And then three months later, same thing, he's still happy and he's correcting me on a history. Oh, I'm like, shit. You're correcting me from the last time? I mean, okay. So I said, Is he more sharp? She goes, Oh, yeah, he's been golfing, he's happy he's eating, he's not forgetting what he's eating, you know, like he was just perking up, right? So I did a mini mental, so I did a mini mental status on the guy. And his mini mental status was 26 from 21. So I call his neurologist, I'm like, did you do a mini mental status on this guy? Because I got 26. What did you get? He goes, I got 26 too. So here's two independent doctors, right? And we're both freaking out at this because like, what the hell happened, right? And then He comes back at six months cut off and I, again, he's sharp. He's like remembering his daughter's date of birth. He's remembering things and I do a mini mental status on him. And in the, in the questionnaire of the mini mental status, there's like a square with a triangle that's juxtaposed where you basically, you have to draw those pictures. Most Alzheimer's patients can't, right? This guy drew the square and the triangle perfectly to juxtapose as opposed to the beginning he could barely make like three lines of the square
0: so he was basically his guys ready to co- complete a tangram at this point i mean he was
3: <laughs> he can like be president. You know, no no well <laughs> anyway so what happened was this don't, don't case,
2: disrespect that man
3: so th- so this case this case shocked me because it was like wait a minute what did i do what's in the microbiome of the wife so i always joke with people i say be really nice to your wife cuz you never know when you're going to need her shit yeah. Literally, so
1: the wives don't never don't ever lead, fight need with their husbands.
3: Husband. <laughs> it could be the other way around. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, <laughs> I've
3: never, i Don't give him.
1: each other shit, okay? You be nice need, to each other. You might need each I,
3: other you shit know why Ever since I'm in this microbiome, I used to like argue with my husband for all sorts of things. Now I just like close my eyes. I don't want to look at the closet. I'm like, it's not worth my microbiome getting killed. But you know, I love m- my m- husband. M- more
2: men get Alzheimer's than
3: women. Probably because we drive you guys crazy. <laughs>
2: That's true. I, see, you said it. I didn't have to say anything. I was leading there.
3: <laughs> you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting relationship, right? The men and women, husband and wife, it's an interesting relationship, right? But it's a yin-yang, right? You need each other. Think about it. You found your spouse and you were attracted to your spouse out of like millions of people in the world. Maybe it's your microbiome that was attracted to her and you were missing some microbes and you got it from her, Right. I mean, who knows? Anything's so this, possible. Anything's possible. So bottom line is, um, you know, this was an amazing case for me because it showed me that possibly it's not in the brain. Maybe it's in the gut. Or maybe it's in the gut first and not in the brain. Maybe it's in the brain first, not in the gut. But maybe we, maybe it's a connection between the brain and the gut. But definitely we need to fix both together.
0: Because there is no cure for Alzheimer's. And until today, there's still, you know, Correct. millions of, dollars being done as far as research Correct. for it but it's fascinating that you say brain gut brain gut brain gut because you know there was this one study about a kid who had a who uh, was diagnosed with add autism and the whole nine yards all that stuff and um the poor kid was on this disgusting diet majority of the food that he was eating was processed right. Doritos of,
1: and Oreo yeah and, it was hmm. a,
0: he was on a Dorito diet yeah. let's put it that way and it was uh as I mentioned majority of it was processed a lot of sugar and anytime the parents would try to wean the kid off of that processed food he would throw a fit sure. he, would, he would you know throw tantrums which is you know what kind it's of led to the, what kind of led to the diagnosis yeah. of autism and ADHD and you know the whole nine yards so you know they took him to a doctor they took him to a pediatrician and the doctor looked over you know the lab results and everything and said well you know your your child's fine blood work came back fine um let's go ahead and put him on some meds and it's unfortunate this child's fate is in the wrong hands with the wrong doctor and the wrong parents so uh, they put the kid on, uh, what was that medication called for? Uh, Adderall? Yes. There we go. Adderall. So Fantastic. they put up. Yeah. So they put How the old kid, is this kid. He was seven years old. Oh, yeah. So they put the kid on Adderall and every time he would throw tantrums, act up, Adderall, act up, Adderall, act up. And eventually they met a, a gut doctor and uh, they did a screening of the stool. And he said, your child's addicted to sugar.
3: Right, cut off the sugar. That's
0: the big deal. Right. And they said, well, we we can't cut him off uh, his diet. He has a specific diet. He goes, please elaborate what this diet is. And (laughs) obviously it consists of Lunchables and processed bullshit and chips and cookies. He goes, let's start it one step at a time. Take the cookies out and then take the chips out and take this out. It took about two and a half years, the parents said. So he was about seven years old. By nine and a half, he was off Adderall. Wow. And this That's kid amazing. was basically yeah. back to, I don't want to say back to normal. He became a child again.
3: Right. He was right. no
0: longer well, dependent on
3: yeah, medication. I mean, you know, so there's ADHD, which is like, you know, these kids are, you know, getting put on Adderall and all these meds. And then there's severe autism, which is I I started treating kids with, well, I started treating one kid with autism by fecal transplant, actually.
2: And how did that go?
3: It went great. I mean, uh, you know, the kid. um, So first of all, it took us about three years to pass through the FDA to get approved to do fecal transplant on that case because COVID was in the middle of all this. So Mm. it was difficult to get approved. And then the sister was the donor. uh, The kid was nonverbal, was banging his head on the wall, breaking his teeth, he was very aggressive, couldn't sleep at night. We did fecal transplant on him. Within the first month, he started saying, Mama, Baba, started sleeping, more calm, less aggressive, and to the point that the parents started traveling by themselves and leaving the kid with the nanny. Because wow. before that, so remember, you know, you were saying, you know, bad parents. The, the problem is these parents, oh, my God, they're like warriors with these kids. These parents like these parents for this kid, like they were taking turns at staying up all night, like one would stay up one night, the Mm. other one would stay up the other night, because they were afraid that the kid would like leave the house or break something or, you know, something would happen in the middle of the night. So they were literally on shifts at staying up all night. After the fecal transplant, they stopped doing that. And then last um, May, he went to prom with a girl. So I was very happy. Wow. So this is a great case. But this was a severe case. Obviously, we need to see more. Um, I personally think like, you know, these kids, it it took us so long to convince the FDA to do fecal transplant on this kid using the sister. Um, I And then to, to do more, not just one fecal transplant, but just keep doing it. Um,
1: there's no such thing as an EUA in this cases.
3: No, there's no EUA. What's an this. EUA? So there's there's emergency so use authorization. No, what
1: a what a what? Emergency <laughs> use no, authorization. What they use for the COVID vaccine? There's there's,
3: there's <laughs> compassionate use act. So there's the the compassionate act, which was actually brought on by I see you wearing uh, Donald Trump's uh, hat. There.
1: That, like I so, said, Biden doesn't have merchandise, so I'm forced to. We wear need Trump to get Biden
3: here. to have merchandise. <laughs> So anyways, or RFK. So start, you know, wearing RFK. That's way better. Yes. So anyways, so basically um, the Compassion Act is what allowed me to do this case. So in other words, you submit um, a paperwork through the FDA and say, look, for compassionate use, can I do fecal transplant on this kid? So it was much easier before COVID and during COVID. It's now that there's a pharmaceutical product. So hold on to your hats. Um, there's a pharmaceutical product of shit in a capsule right now, Mm. uh, that was approved by the FDA
2: for C. diff.
3: Yes. For C. diff. Yes, they did. So now that they approved it, it's much harder for us to do fecal transplant. Why? Because first of all, the labs that were, you know, I was testing for my stools to make sure they were good, right? Like, you know, I would do, you know, vancomycin resistant E. coli testing to make sure, right? Uh, if my patient's tools, the donor had them. Well, LabCorp and Quest vancomycin
1: doesn't, is an antibiotic.
3: Yeah, yeah, vancomycin resistant E. coli, so it's a type of E. coli yeah. where um, two people have died from fecal transplant, you know, with this E. coli. So basically, the FDA mandated that we started that we start testing for that, but there's only a few labs that do that. So LabCorp and Quest were one of them. So now I call. Lab, you know, my patients are like, you know, they want, you know, if it's a singer, they want a singer as a donor, you know. Like, I'm, I'm a Malibu doctor. My Malibu clientele, they're like, well, what? Can we son? get a Malibu no. fecal. Well, they're like, transplant. they're like, who's my donor? I, I could only take no, Tom like, Brady's who, fecal. So they yeah, care it. who the it's donor like, is. Who's, of course, of no. course, they want like, it's is shit. my donor fat or no? It's not. They know it's not
0: a sperm donation, right? No, (laughs) but here's
3: the thing. If you look at the mice study, okay, there's a mice study where they took skinny poop and put it into a fat mouse, and the fat mouse became skinny. Vice versa, fat to skinny, skinny mouse became fat. So, yes, also, if we take anxiety poop from a patient, My patient's going to be, to the recipient, the recipient's going to be anxious. No. Yes. So microbiome has, we're actually coming out with a paper where we're showing the signature microbiome of anxiety patients. Because during COVID, did you notice how everybody was anxious when they had COVID? The anxiety level was super high. So we noticed some microbes that were rummaging in there. So we decided, well, let's look at patients that have anxiety and do what's called a GATT questionnaire, which is a type of questionnaire to measure the anxiety of patients. So we discovered that that microbe that was found in COVID patients was also present in anxious patients. So we're going to come out with that data. Not not for a while, but we're coming out with it. So the bottom line is, imagine if you're a celebrity and you're, and by the way, we also, Colleen Kelly at University of at Brown University, found, did fecal transplant on two patients with C. diff and alopecia areata, like male, you know, like baldness, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, baldness in different spots. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Smith, the patients that's grew Jada Smith. Jada
1: Smith. Well,
3: yeah. the patients grew hair. Two of the patients grew hair. That case you can look up my videos on Progena Biome. We've showed it multiple times. And how how
2: do you do this? You so the donor is someone that has a Really thick hair. Yeah. So
3: here's what happened: the that case, those two cases have not been reproduced. Okay, she succeeded in having hair growth in those two patients. However, other doctors have tried to do, you know, fecal transplant alopecia areata. It didn't work, probably because there was something in that donor, that some microbes compatible. that we don't even know. No, that are probably responsible for hair growth, right? So we it don't might, know. It's
0: a shot in the dark. It's just a, it's it's just a shot some... in the
3: dark. And we have no idea what the name of that microbe is. Why did I get into this field of looking at microbes? Because I've got a lot of hair and I figured, you know what? I probably have that, that microbe in me. Hey, forget so the shampoos. Because <laughs> I always wanted oh, no. to like have, you know, shampoo business. I because, said, you know, forget the shampoo. Yeah, I'm going to test it. my stools. It's probably in my stools. So anyways, so the thing is, so my population of Malibu, they don't want the fecal bank from pharma. They want to know who their donor is. They want to interview the donor. You know, it's a different clientele. So here I'm stuck. I can't even, like, find a donor for these patients because... Why not
2: let them find the donor?
3: Well, yeah, but I can't test. The labs do not test anymore. So it's crazy. So we've been like handcuffed and blocked. Why not do a lab now?
2: Well, yeah, that's what I'm working
3: on. I'm working on developing the test to look at that. Now, the other thing is the FDA also put a, you know, because we were all talking about that. Like all GI doctors were like, you know, this one doctor at Mayo Clinic was talking about chronic urinary tract infections that improved with fecal transplant. Another doctor, you know, cancer. There was some studies, uh, melanoma treated with chemotherapy adjuvant to, to fecal transplant was helping these patients. So in fact, I had a case of metastatic mesothelioma where we gave um, a chemo drug and then we added fecal transplant. And the patient lived like, you know, she was supposed to die. The, the average lifespan of metastatic mesothelioma was 16 months. She lived like 29 months. So, you know, so it did expend her life, but that was a one case. So we all saw these one cases so we all tried to get the FDA to do these one cases of compassion and now it's very difficult to do it.
1: I, I think if you guys focus on the microbiome, you know this better than I do, but you can treat and cure everything from Alzheimer's to cancer to depression, mental all types of mental diabetes? illness. What about diabetes? I think,
3: I think we're at the beginning of this, 100%. I, you know... I'm never as a physician saying yes a hundred percent because you never know. There's many, you know. Let's look at Crohn's disease for example, right? Crohn's disease. Doctor Barodi, you know, succeeded in treating 28 patients. I mean, he's treated way more by now, but he published where he where he uh, treated 28 patients of Crohn's disease with fecal transplant and improved those patients. They don't need medications anymore. Mm-hmm. Now. Some Crohn's disease, because I've done fecal transplant on some patients with C. diff and Crohn's, yes, some of them improved, but then some of them don't improve. So is that a genetic problem or is that a microbiome problem? Same thing with when you look at autism, right? Mm -hmm. You look at the data of Dr. Adams, which is basically he's showing 50% improvement of neurological symptoms in autism kids post-fecal transplant, or we're going to call it microbiota transplant. Now, here's the thing. What about the other fifty percent? Maybe the other fifty percent have a neurological as a primary. Maybe they have a connection between the brain and the and the gut. That's a primary that's causing them the problem.
1: The reason I say it could work is because and you can elaborate on this much better than I can uh what's it called tyrosine and tryptophan right mm-hmm. which affects which converts into what serotonin and mm-hmm. dopamine? Well, right? Yes. And isn't that what causes depression? So, dopamine, and how is that, for example, how's that related yes, to the microbiome? That
3: we're going to come out with some microbes. So, we actually have, when we developed our pipeline to look at the microbiome, we're looking at the microbiome through the DNA, which mm-hmm. is bacteria. And then we look at the microbiome through the DNA, converting it through a messenger RNA. Now, everybody knows about messenger RNA. To convert it to RNA, which is basically to see if that bacteria is reproducing. And then we're looking at, um, and we're also looking at viruses through the RNA pipeline. But through our RNA pipeline now, we're able to see the functionality of these microbes, which is going to be spectacular because, you know, imagine looking at Parkinson's and isolating a bunch of microbes. You can see what those microbes are doing, which microbes are secreting dopamine, which aren't. And so that's going to bring the field to a different level.
1: But see, that's the thing when you when you hear Dr. Richard Malone talk about mRNA technology, right? He's the inventor, developer of mm-hmm. that technology, kind of pioneer. The use of it, and this is what this is what scares me about medicine. The intention, the use of it, is brilliant. It's basically the ability to program, let's say. To put something into a program, put it into your computer, install it, and then it fixes the virus. That's what mRNA technology is essentially, mm-hmm. no? So if you can use it for humanity for a good purpose, you can treat anything with it. But government, FDA, pharmaceuticals... Use it in the opposite direction. Will take direction. it and fuck with people and make well, sure you're I, chronically you chronically know, ill for the rest of your life, even more so nah, than today. You
3: know, I'm not one of those people that thinks the government's like after, you know, killing everyone... I think... Not the, everyone. Well, no, I just... No, come on. <laughs> the useless no, no, no. people. I, look, I, th- I mean, that's... Of course, you know, we're, we're, we're trained to, like, be vigilant as human beings, and we don't really think, you know... So what I saw for the... You know, during the Woolsey Fire, one of the best example, you know, I'm, the government wasn't going to save my house. You know, I myself was going to save my house. The government's not going to come to my hospital bed when I'm dying and do CPR. You know what I mean?
1: That's different.
3: So no, but I think the government, you know, we give too much credit to, to the government, right? The government is there to kind of overlook safety and all that. But the reality is they are guided by a whole agency of scientists, right? You think of the NIH, you think of national Institute of standards, you think of all these scientists, all these doctors, Right. The problem is this. The problem is we right now the microbiome is really new and not really too many people know about this. Why is it new though? It's new because the technology just came out.
1: It's new because it's useful.
3: Well, no, but the technology came out to kind of start seeing all that, right? So I'm so, surprised
1: you say that after what you what you experienced and witnessed during COVID. With COVID. Because well, I, 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 I would have said, I would have given you the benefit of the doubt three years ago and said, okay, you're a doctor scientist. You've gone through the same schooling system as Dr. Fauci and the rest of them. But after COVID, for you to say that, especially somebody who focuses on microbiome. Because I'll tell you why. I, I'm going yeah. to push no, back on that. I'll tell you that. why.
3: I'll tell you why. I think, I think there was an enormous admiration for Dr. Fauci enormous by physicians around the world why because he's standing there as the the king of you the guys don't remember what he did no, during no, AIDS, talk, not, aids
1: epidemic we're not talking about that
3: the, the the common you know push of doctors the co- those doctors don't know they don't they didn't read on that they look at dr fauci as someone that basically was behind aids was the head of the nih you know what i mean so for the majority, behind
1: aids in what sense
3: the discovery, the research—that's how they look at him,
1: right? I mean, there, there's, there's, <laughs> okay, so wait, there's, wait, wait, but No, but, but let's, be,
3: but there's, let's video, be there's, leg-
1: there's video
0: evidence of Dr. Fauci okay, during wait. the AIDS epidemic I, mentioning so that first, it's airborne, children can get it. You you wanna you wanna you're sh-
3: asking a human being. Yes, he guy he had his vision. He had his his. Vision of what science is. And he convinced other doctors of this vision. Of There's science. the word
0: right there. Convinced. For what?
3: Yeah, because that's what scientists do, right? They like tell you this is the way and then you convince them. And then all of a sudden you How about, you how about, how about, way, how about right? instead
0: of convince, educate and actually like no, but do some listen, research? So convince the, is such a, it's such a term. Here's
3: the thing. Science is this abyss that we don't know it's like space you're stepping into space and you have no idea right and you hope that someone's going to hold your hand and say don't worry I'm going to bring you into space you're going to be fine right and you're trusting that person and then that person brings you into space and then you follow that person right and then you have admiration for that person right that's medicine is like that right medicine is is different stages where you look up to your academic doctor, you look up to the physicians that have written the books, right? You admire these doctors for writing books, for you know, Correct. for doing you're, the research, you're for right. innovating. But
0: there's common sense involved as well. Like during the during the pandemic, and you know we're gonna call it a pandemic because that's what that's what we believe it is. You had Dr. Fauci live on TV go out and say masks will protect you. And, you know, this is how you put your mask on, make sure your nose is covered. And then when you're done and, you know, as any doctor, nurse, NP, doesn't matter, physician, you know, you can't reuse a PPE. You, you, right, you, you take right. it off and you dump it. But he's telling people. Yes. To wear- and,
3: and, and what. And. But when you push
0: back on something like that, they look at you much as a of bigot. That,
3: yes. So how much of that was a narrative? that all was pushed all of it pushed. all of it right well we Cloth know masks. now right we know no like, no we knew that too we knew that well too. we you knew because of the because Do you know of why I knew the common sense no, yes? no, no no i'll
1: tell you one no listen i
3: i knew because i was like wait the virus can go into the eyes does that mean i have to wear goggles too?
1: no i'll tell you why i i knew it was all bullshit what's the number one in rule rule in science
2: Question. question
3: everything. Yes, and they didn't allow us to question. Th- that's it. Yes. That, we're done. No, no, that that my red flag was basically. What do you mean? I have to wait till the patient desaturates. He, he to never.
1: Treat. He never sat so down that, with scientists to yes, have that, a that meeting. Yes, that was a big
3: problem. That Be, was a big problem. Because if, if you ask me, but that's where 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 is that ego coming into play? Right? Is that ego coming into play? Like I'm too good. I'm sending a. It's top because
1: of, nobody stood up to him. Not even Trump. That's well, where it comes from. No, he was advertised very well. Bro, he, the media he killed yes. them really he well. killed people during the HIV. The media, the
2: media, epidemic. but he got away with it because he helped the media, them back then.
1: Well, the,
3: yeah. The media, you know, Played is basically dri- you know, driving the force. Unfortunately, the media is what censors us, the media is what stops us from, you know, talking. Um, you know, the media's A B two zero
1: nine eight, right? So AB two zero nine eight yes, doctors yes, can't speak doctors out. Can't I, mean, speak. I mean,
3: yes. How retarded! And here I am in California <laughs> no, on the hot seat. that's what
1: that's what people like us look at. We're idiots, but we look at those governor types nonsense. Of things. Can't. Why can't we door. question science? The fact that you want to shut up.
3: absolutely right. shut you a doctor
1: down—that that's the number one rule in science. And when when that, they did, that. I knew it was all bullshit. Look, I went
3: rogue at the beginning, like you know six years ago when fecal material became a capsule and we didn't even know what the hell we were doing. And now I'm completely rogue in a way because I saw what happened during COVID. I mean, I, w- I lived it, you know, so, here I am doing clinical trials for pharma and conducting the trials on hydroxychloroquine, z pack vitamin C, D and zinc. I couldn't recruit. I mean, I could recruit for psoriasis like that put a post on facebook and i would get like 100 patients right in my trials i put covid in the midst of covid Nobody and i was censored yeah blacklisted i was you know my name was mud i mean i was criticized was your twitter told all account s-
1: shut down too.
3: My Twitter account was shut down at some point just for a little while, but Facebook definitely, we used to advertise, we had clinical trials page on Facebook, yeah. clinical trials recruit. We used to advertise through those pages, right? We had all the pages on Facebook for clinical trial recruits. I put trials, clinical trial for hydroxychloroquine, z pack vitamin C, D, and zinc for, for COVID. We could not recruit. How
1: many COVID patients have you treated approximately?
3: Uh, thousands. Okay. And so, how many doctors did I give my protocols to and how many lectures did I give around the world to doctors from Malaysia to Zimbabwe to teach them about the treatment works. So it could be works. tens
1: if not hundreds of thousands of patients. That, yeah, I mean, right? I think
3: I think the word went out on hydroxychloroquine. I think hydroxychloroquine is probably more famous than propofol. You probably, you guys remember my husband, Dr. Alon Steinberg on the Michael Jackson Conrad Murray case. He was the was doctor it? that put. Conrad Murray in prison that said, "Really, you know, oh, because uh, of the propofol. Because of propofol. So propofol wow. was a very famous drug back then. Yeah, um, you know. And it now
1: anesthesia. Yeah.
3: And now you know hydroxychloroquine is very popular, and ivermectin is very popular, and the microbiome is very popular. I tend to think that but, I should go into. Okay, but
1: my question. You know to how to pick is, them. You know how to pick them. <laughs> I guess. The reason I ask. Oh, I you, know how to
3: spread the word.
1: The reason I ask you about how many you've treated is because. You talk about protocols, right? And we yes. talked about this. So I, the- did,
3: I did the protocol on hydroxy, z vitamin C, D, and zinc with the FDA watching. It was treatment. It was treatment uh, with hydroxy, z and the vitamins compared to vitamins you alone. You said
1: it was uh, uh, 40,000 vitamin C or vitamin D? What was the protocol? No, no,
3: no. It was uh, 3,000 vitamin D, 3,000 vitamin C, and, and 50 of zinc. 50, okay. Yeah, so it was either they got Hydroxy and ZPAC with the vitamins or they got vitamins on their own. Okay. So, so Mike, we could never finish that trial because we could not recruit because they started... No, no, you know,
1: what is your protocol today when somebody comes in with COVID? It's not 3,000. No, you no, you know, right now I'm number. very
3: much nutraceuticals, vitamins. You know, everybody's different, so I'm not going to talk about it live because I just don't want to be, oh, the Dr. in protocol, yeah. like we've heard from, you know, all these other doctors. I tried to really... Push the patients to go to the doctors on the front line who have been treating. And I don't mean frontline doctors. I'm just saying doctors that are courageous enough to treat. There's enough medications right now, even the ones that are approved by the FDA, that there's a lot of different options to treat COVID. And I think it needs to be back to the doctors treating in their offices the patients. That's what I believe. So So I think I would convince. I would. Tell the patients today, rather than giving them an advice on what medications to take for COVID, for this strain, I would say find a doctor that you feel comfortable with that believes in the way you like to treat functional medicine doctors. There's a lot of them out there. The field has exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go to those doctors and 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 get them to fix you because they will probably do a good job at it.
1: But looking back, for instance, because... Like I said, we've talked about this. Looking several back, times. treatment
3: should have never been stopped. They so, should have tried everything. No, my, my, off the my fire. question
1: is if you look at, if you do the math, let's say with the vitamin D, CZ pack, hydroxychloroquine, whatever, make whatever you think is the protocol, we have 350 million people in the U.S., right? If you prepared a package and sent it to all 350 million people, each with that. package as a prophylactic
3: no that wouldn't have worked why not it wouldn't have worked because the problem is that some people are high risk and they are treated differently some people are low risk and they just need vitamins so there's different so when i treated all these thousand and believe me i mean i had the 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 hydroxychloroquine z-pack vitamin c d and zinc was my patent okay
2: and how did you get your hands on that people were having a hard time
3: I created the protocol. I actually had a pharmaceutical company make the package okay. and I had one group of people that were on the meds and then another group and it was approved by the FDA to run. That was the right way to do it and we should have been able to do it. The problem is there was interference Bye. by the media, by the politicians, by everyone and they destroyed hydroxychloroquine. So I couldn't recruit. We could never see whether those trials were going into motion. And then at the same time, there was a little bit of a, you know, there was a big revolution in healthcare because doctors were like, what do you mean I can't treat? But the reality is doctors could have always treated. The problem is they, it was made very difficult for them to treat. CVS was not writing hydroxychloroquine. Nobody, you know, was. While, nobody was writing it. No, the small mom and pop's pharmacies. Even those because, guys bec- were being
0: because, red Because the vaccine wasn't out. Big Pharma was not done with their agenda. Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer were working on whatever the well, hell they, they were working they on. They
3: believed the answer to the pandemic was vaccinate everyone, right? When they started vaccinating one shot, two shot, three shot, four shot, and we're still not getting out of COVID and people are still getting COVID, then they kind of were like, okay, and now, hey, you really we're, believe at, that, doc? we're at seven. Well, listen, this was the agenda to um, the agenda by pharma to make it a business, right? The, so the
2: COVID vaccine was approved way before COVID came out. It was the patented. Paper, the way patented.
3: Oh, it was patented, of but course. it was, but it did. But the clinical but trials you were think not
2: done. They went to two and three and four shots and they were like, oh, shit, it's not working. Do you really believe it?
3: I think I think the way that I see it, and having talked to a lot of people that are at the NIH and people that are, you know, ethical, righteous scientists that work at the NIH, not all Dr. Fauci, you know, um, out there. There's good people there. There's too, good of people, and having talked to a lot of good people out there, they were like, well, you know, we we believe this was the way out to just vaccinate. How many everyone. people
1: did the 1918 uh, vaccine? my idea, my
3: my thought was. My thought was, look, if this was your idea, why did you stop the treatment? Why did you stop the relationship between the patient and the doctor? Why did you not say treat early, even give them high dosages of vitamins, you know? And then the other thing is, how did they expect a vaccine to work for a virus that's mutating and that's mutating with different mutations, right, all the time.
0: Well, it's the boosters they didn't so, it so, the to boosters work. are going to save no, you. No, but
3: but <laughs> if you look at the if you look at the so remember our lab identified the virus mm-hmm. in the septic tank. I mean, the, in the stools, stools of patients, which bas- basically the government started looking at the septic tanks too. If you look at the virus, there was different locations to the virus, right. And the spike protein is what was mutating. What people didn't really have, you know, the understanding of what we saw with Omicron. You know, when you start with like the first COVID had one spike mutation, and then the original Wuhan strain had only one spike mutation, and then it went on to like four spikes what or caused four that? different.
1: Do you know what caused those additional spikes?
3: No, it's mutations. That's the, the vaccine the, caused the, the
1: mutations.
3: Well, the okay so. The vac. So let's talk about that. Okay, the vaccine is a portion of the spike protein, right? Okay, which we are giving the patients to kind of recognize the virus in case they get that spike protein, right? So remember, how does a vaccine work? A vaccine works with. I have a formula ABCD, mm-hmm. right? A genome, a, a genomic right. strain, and ABCD needs to match my vaccine so that when i have a vaccine of abcd the virus comes in right. it says hey abcd you're fine you're immune i'm not going to reject you the problem with this virus is that it was a b b c d so you've got a couple of b's or it could have been acd so it's not ab that's not what so, it was initially though well i'm looking at the virus so i'm trying to to tell you how initially it, it was
1: abcd until it the was, vaccines came no, out? No,
3: no, 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 no. The it vaccines
1: was, caused the, I A, B, B, C, at D, the stools and- No,
3: I looked at the stools before the vaccine. And before the vaccine, the virus was mutating. So you cannot, I, I've been looking at thousands of strains of COVID. I've seen COVID better than anybody else. And I can tell you at the beginning, when we analyzed our stools in uh, March, April, May, The virus was already mutating at the spike protein. The vaccine did not mutate. I'll tell you what the vaccine did. What we noticed from our research was that the vaccine entered and created what I believe is a bifidophage. In other words, it kills your good microbes. And therefore, it makes you susceptible when the next strain comes around. That's how it happens. Okay.
0: There was a lot of doctors on social media where I would question them and I'd ask them, you know did the virus come from China? And they're like, well, no, no, you can't, you can't say it came from China. That's, that's being quote unquote racist. It's not, it didn't come from China. So I'm like, then how do we know it's not SARS one? And then they would go, well, no, no, no. Cause it came from somewhere else. Where, where did it come from? China. Well, it, well, it came from China and well, I thought you just Look, said it didn't come the, from China. The, and the, then, and then when, and then when the vaccines came out, the three major vaccines, which we talked off the air, were the Johnson and Johnson, the Moderna and then the mm-hmm. Pfizer, and then obviously mm-hmm. you had all those other generic ones that came out as well in foreign countries. But the Johnson and Johnson was an mRNA vaccine, right? And it was like a one and done.
3: No, the Johnson and Johnson was not. I'm sorry, an not an mRNA. mRNA. It, was, no, a, it, it was, was a. It was
0: a. It was a. It was a vaccine where it the was dead, the old technology. The, yes, the correct. dead virus was inside. Correct. You would take it. It was one and done. Whereas correct. Moderna and Pfizer were the mRNA mRNA vaccines, technology.
3: Correct? Correct.
0: So the Johnson and Johnson- that was
3: a new technology. We didn't really know much about it. We didn't know, you know, what it did. You know, I have my own hypothesis of what it does. I personally think it probably activates other viruses, maybe.
0: Well, that's where I wanted to go with this. So the Johnson & Johnson was released and people started taking it. And all of a sudden, the media got involved and said, oh, my God, uh, there's people with inflammation of the heart, getting myocarditis, getting heart attacks. We need to stop this one. So that was pulled off the shelves right away. And that Mm. was being administered the old way. Dead virus administered, right, right. body attacks it and basically kills it, builds immunity to it. Whereas the Moderna and the Pfizer, now you have one shot, which was FDA approved mm-hmm. as much as you want to trust the FDA. And then, and Look, then and I mean, because I, it was emergencies. Yes. And then I mean, like- as
3: much as what I've seen through the pandemic, I'm still, you know, not everyone at the FDA is just evil. Right? No, 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 I I get mean, Some it. people I get are it. corrupt and they're taking on a position with pharma and they make promises and they, they, you know, switched roles. But, you know, these yeah. agents are good people. No, I, I get mean, it. You I know, get it. They but do see, the
0: hard work. What my concern is this, because, again, quest- these are questions that, till today, not a lot of people have answers to, because the Johnson & Johnson, which was one and done, was frowned upon. Correct. And then now you have the Pfizer and the Moderna, which were highly advertised. You would watch Super Bowl well, commercials. they highly and there was advertised.
3: Moderna. They had high stock market of prices Of course. so today, it. I they mean, were, as much yes. as I regret and to say it, their money on that, exactly. right? As I as mean, like you think about like everybody that put their money onto the stock drove the research, drove yeah. the, I mean, the economy. I, that I virus, regret but-
0: saying this, but and I regret not doing it, but it's a t- t- it's a double whammy. But I I wish I put more money in Pfizer and Moderna. I wish I did as much as I hate saying making money but, off. But of guess a-
3: what? That was probably one of the problems. the The economy was driving. The force of this yeah. virus, so right? I, didn't put, any money, anymore, I yeah. didn't put any money. into the into Pfizer and Moderna. I don't hence, think I could no, have no, made no. money. No, no, no. Hence, the reason why I'm saying, I regret I I didn't. I want to be unbiased. It's, it's, I want to see I know. the it's, data it's, as look, it comes. It's, it's
0: it's a double edged sword. I'm saying it because I'm glad I didn't do it because I would never want to make money off of. Whatever it is that they've created because you have the vaccine that came out, then you had a second one, then you had a third one, then you had a fourth one and you question these doctors and say, okay, listen, I get it. The first one is quote unquote FDA approved, which again, we're not saying everybody at the FDA is evil. I'm sure there's a lot of great scientists and doctors at the FDA, but the second, the third and the fourth one aren't really, are they till okay, today approved? FDA okay. approved or are they still here's kind of up in problem,
3: the air? Here's the problem. And this is a, this is where I'm going to stay kind of middle ground. Okay. Because I'm not on this side. I'm not on that side. And remember you took three years to get me up here. So you have to listen to what I'm saying. I am listening. Right. I'm, I, I so, don't have to agree, but so I'm listening. you don't have yeah. to agree, but here's my opinion. Okay. And we have to be, we have to be um, unbiased. We have to kind of like see both sides, okay? I'm the person that when patients come into my office, I try to put myself in their shoes to understand what they're living through so that I can fix them, okay? So now I have two sets of populations, okay? One population that believes the vaccine is working and another population is like, oh my God, the vaccine's not working. It's a, it's a disaster, Why is that? Why are we so divided? Is it possible that this population here, which is the person that's eating the donuts, that's, you know, drinking alcohol, that's doing everything wrong, you know, they're still alive. Is it possible that the vaccine has been working on them to keep them alive? And those people believe that the vaccine is working. You're not going to change their mind because they're still alive. Now, on the other side of the arena are the people that are you know the same they're overweight they're doing the wrong things but they survived covid and they didn't get vaccinated they think the vaccine is a bullshit right so you have to be conscientious of both sides that's the problem now when we come together at the middle what gets us together is the fact freedom we're free to make our decisions. No, we're not. No, you weren't. At were, that time,
1: we're you weren't. No, were not we well, are not. Now, when, you not when f- you're going to lose your job you, if you, you don't get the vaccine. You were your independent. No, sign. she yes. wasn't. No,
3: you're right. No. You're right. If you you're- go
0: back in time, if you didn't have a vaccine, you couldn't go to a football game. If you didn't have a vaccine, you couldn't Yeah, fly. you couldn't go to a restaurant. If you, you, were, couldn't you didn't have fly. a vaccine, you couldn't work. That's not free. That is, that <laughs> that's is far but, from freedom. And I can't wait for the lawsuits to take place. Now, you guys
2: are talking about things that are past. Now today we have people today, we all have relatives yes. today that have taken the vaccine yes. today they regret it, yes, right and what can they do? Is there anything well, that could help I, these I,
3: people that are, why help
1: they, them it's effective
3: no listen so no, no, no there re- are some people that are suffering some people some are people having. are
1: suffering now and some the rest have, will suffer but, later but
3: not. Not necessarily. Some people have a resilient microbiome, and it doesn't matter okay, if you so vaccinate them twenty times. How, how
1: many? How many? And people?
3: vice versa. Some other people have a resilient microbiome, and even if you don't vaccinate it, they'll survive COVID. So, in both populations, it's so important that we real that we. I think what this pandemic has taught us, and what it needs to teach us, is that we need to be righteous to let people make their decision. And to have that relationship between the patient and the doctor. But we haven't. The other that thing though. that this pandemic has needs to teach us is that the media needs to get the hell out I of agree medicine with that. and advertisement needs to stop on that. pharmaceutical You're products. Absolutely right about and that. politicians need to stop taking care of talking about vaccines or diseases 100%. to Correct. influence the Correct. person unless they want to be the freaking doctor themselves. Okay. okay. Let me tell you, there was nothing that pissed me off more this pandemic. Then Seth Meyers talking about ivermectin and that other idiot comedian that was talking. O'Rogin?
0: O'Rogin? No, 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 no. O'Rogin. Jimmy no, no. Kimmel oh, was Jimmy. another one oh, that was talking, talking about. and then there's another
3: or... one. I forgot the big Afro hair.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel was so another one who said, the oh, bottom the horse, line is uh, horse like, dewormer. They
3: influenced people to not take a drug that's given to babies with scabies. Okay, that made it very difficult for the doctors to write the prescription. It made it very difficult for the patients to take the prescription. Do you know that half the time when I was treating my patients, I had to scream at my patients and say, you either take my medication or you're going to be in the hospital. Take my medication or you're going to be dead. Right. Because and literally lost no one in this pandemic. But my job was not made easy by the media, the politicians, and the celebrities. So if the celebrities- Or the
1: scientific community.
3: Well, the scientific community was scared. Let me tell you, I know my friends. Listen, my friends got vaccinated. They followed the path. They risked their lives on the hospital, you know, without a mask at the beginning, with a mask, you know, during the thing. They saw what, there's a buzzing that's going on. But not every doctor has the courage to stand up against none of them this them corruption that's going on right now. Very, few of, very few, few of them very did. Very few
1: of them did. And that's the reason why when a doctor wrote a prescription for hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, their medical license was investigated. And then the yeah. pharmacy's license was investigated how is that any type of scientific freedom or any well, the, type of this freedom? Is,
3: but this is what I'm saying. This is what was noticed from the pandemic. What was noticed from the pandemic is there's an interaction, and and medicine has become too commercialized. It's corporate America. It's corporate medicine now. It's no longer medicine. We need to go back. We need to stop that. This is where the government needs to step in and say, you know what? What happened was wrong. We need to go back in because. Let me tell you what's gonna what happens. Right now, you have in the in the world, you have frustrated patients that are annoyed because they cannot get treated. And you've got, you know, with their diseases and nobody's trying anything because they're afraid of trying. And you've got frustrated doctors that can't treat their patients. That's a problem.
1: Of course, it's a problem. And, <laughs> and we have another pandemic coming very soon. It's going to be no different this time.
3: Well, I'm hoping that the government is going to, you know, well, start... You know, Biden's
1: already marketing a uh, vaccine, a new vaccine, that's somewhat of a prophylactic, supposedly. Well, Are they going to give it to his the I wife think first? The, I think... Huh? Uh, They're
2: giving it to his wife first, the new vaccine. No, I think honestly, Congress,
3: I think, look, I'm, I'm not a person to kind of, you know, um, I try to stay, like I said, middle ground and I try not to be a hater of anybody. But I think at the end of the day, we need to realize that we're all going to be patients. And I don't think Seth Myers wants to start treating patients. He's not equipped for it, so he shouldn't be talking about ivermectin. I don't think comedians should talk about.
1: Should de Blas should that talk they don't about it and eat a stupid burger and fries? I and think make nobody should I mean, talk about it f- unless they know what an anaerobic people,
3: like, inf- bacteria. is. Oh,
1: these are fries! <laughs> if you get the vet. Va- oh, these
3: That's fries. Right. Okay, but we're talking. Like,
2: we're still talking about things that happen, guys. No, it's today, the same
1: thing is going to happen again. I get it, but let's just say because example, I'll tell you why it's going to happen again, and then you can say fuck,
3: no, it's not m- going to happen. Okay, watch. I- I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's
1: going to happen again. Not at the same rate.
2: It's going to happen, but not at the same. No, no, they've
0: already. Proved how dumb
1: society. Spanish is. flu, the vaccine killed how many people?
0: I don't know.
2: I didn't even know the Spanish. Do you flu know how many people 1918, killed? Nineteen eighteen. Spanish flu. Hundred years. 100 ago. years ago.
1: What was the population in the U.S.?
2: Not as much as it is today.
1: Right. It killed almost fifty million people. Now, what let's, was
0: the population here? Hundred million.
1: Exactly. I don't know what the po- I don't know. You can Google it.
0: I, was it worldwide or in the U.S. though?
1: Google it okay. now, Fauci. Killed a ton of people during the HIV epidemic with his AZT drug. Okay? Now, what happened? Nothing
2: came out about Fauci. You can't say that about Fauci until no one talked about the AIDS and his involvement until the end of Corona.
3: By the way, guys, I have to leave, so let's wrap it up.
2: So, doctor, my question was, let's say
3: uh, I let's have a Let's not go back member. to 100 years yeah, ago. I wasn't happened, there. I wasn't or there during four years ago. Christ. You I wasn't weren't there, but anyway. you can't trust the system. You, you can't. know what? Okay, that's don't. the bottom line. That's, that's a the bottom thing. line is how do we move forward? Yes. How do we change so that the same mistakes that happened during the pandemic in the last three years doesn't happen? The first thing is let doctors be doctors. The yes. second thing is... Let's start. Look. Let's start coming at the table. I think. Listen, uh, Peter Hotez and all these doctors. You know, Peter McCullough, uh Pierre Corey. All these guys should come at the table and discuss their, their experience during COVID. You know, yeah. we definitely learned something during COVID. We treated min- thousands of patients. And, you know, in my case, I definitely learned something. Yeah. Fifty million was worldwide,
0: by the way. Sorry.
1: That's That's a big number.
0: Yeah. It's it's a huge number. Fifty million is a huge number. (laughs) But Doc, my question is (laughs) how do we move forward?
2: Not about moving forward. Someone regrets getting their two shots. My family member regrets it. Don't worry about it. She's passing out. She's she's pale. Right. So I want to see what can I do to help her today?
3: That's my Well, she can, and she can come into one of our trials because we're looking at the microbiome and vaccine injured and we are, you know, trying to fix that problem. Um, so I welcome her to call my office and, you know, see how we can help her.
0: Sure. Okay? Mind you, we, we're getting into a heated topic as far as conversation with the vaccine. Can you clarify one thing on air so a lot of our viewers could listen? And obviously the people that are going to be listening to this tomorrow, uh, are you vaccinated yourself?
3: I'm not going to discuss my personal history because I think it's personal. and um, Which means I think nobody
1: it, has the right to ask me what I'm entering exactly. somewhere, right? So, so
0: you see, so, you see that's, so, where, that's so, where
3: this so goes. So first of all, okay, so that's one, number one. Privacy is, was, HIPAA, HIPAA is number one. We've violated HIPAA during this pandemic. Thank you. You know, when you go to like the teachers and you say, are you vaccinated? You can't come to work? Sorry. Second thing is uh freedom of choice we should have the freedom to decide what we put in our bodies right freedom of choice is number two it's also my freedom to decide whether i want quality or quantity of life right it's my freedom and then that discussion between me and the doctor it's between me and the doctor it's not between me and the government and it's not definitely not between me and corporate america Mm -hmm. and corporate america should stay the hell out of medicine and if they want to invest, then they need to be unbiased. Here's the big problem right now that you guys don't see is, unfortunately, all the venture capitalists are, you know, own pharma, own the CRO, own the IRBs, the independent review board. There is no more research that is independent anymore. Zero. That's the Zero. problem. So.
0: The sad part of it's all of this is weird. That when from you,
2: someone that's been doing all this. research. Yeah, I've been
3: doing research, and I was. Do you I, sometimes
2: tell yourself like it's a waste of time, all that time? Yeah, and you put I. Well,
3: I never think you that. Can't. I never think that I everything well, no, was a waste today, of time. No, no. So I believe you know God puts you on a path and uh-huh. gives you a training, and so my training was working with pharma. Uh, I learned a lot. I learned, you know, think about it. I've done over 300 clinical yeah. trials. I know how to, you know, conduct a clinical trial. I know how to look at how does Alzheimer's, how to, you know, look at endpoints for Alzheimer's, et cetera. Um, you know, and all this is kind of an education. So do I regret? I mean, you know, I just, I was awake. I, I basically woke up to the corporate world that has become medicine. And I didn't want to see it, I think um, it's really sad because it impacts everyone, and it impacts yeah. let me tell you when a pharmaceutical executive has his kid with autism, you know that this comes back, so what we put Full into circle. the yeah. into the universe comes back to haunt us so and now there's no answer for that kid of an executive of a pharmaceutical company or you know that works at google so the reality is we have to be to keep medicine righteous and and we have to stay unbiased. Like even me, like when I was doing the protocol on hydroxychloroquine, think about it, it's my patent. Don't you think I wanted that to succeed and work? But even me today, I can tell you I would not give it to everyone. Well, I nothing would
1: nothing is for everyone.
3: Exactly, because it kills the microbiome. You know what I mean? So you you don't want to give it to the kids. So when you say, well, we should have prophylaxed and given everyone. No, no, no. I'm not talking the not about. The same way no, that no, we shouldn't have vaccinated the kids because they were fine. We should leave the kids alone. We should have, you know, if people wanted to prophylax and look at the 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 whole thing on the, on the drugs, great. But I personally think we need to stay righteous to say this is let's let's stay objective let's not bring hate into this let's not bring division think about it they divided us and used that to give us fear and to start and to create marketing. Of right? course. There, right. there was more division
0: so, created from 2020 to 2023 till the present day yes. than there was ever in the history of the, of the world. Absolutely. You had Even fam- during the Civil War. I you mean, you people, had family members not speak to each mine, other.
3: I have friends of mine that voted for Biden and they're called, you know, Trump lovers when they voted because they, were, they didn't choose to vaccinate. Exactly, but it has nothing to do
0: with it has nothing to do with politics.
3: But that's what I'm saying, you know, like but they made it they made it political. Exactly. They made it political. That's
1: why politics should stay out of this. Everybody should stay out of it. If you're not a doctor scientist, stay the hell out. Even if you are question everything. And
3: even as a scientist, listen, there's so much we don't know. Okay. Of course. There's in the microbiome space, there's trillions of microbes we don't know. So, you know, we gotta stay humble. And I tell this to everybody that kind of attacks me. I say, tell me what blotia is and what does it do? Do you know what blotia is? Anyway? No, no. Okay, it's a bacteria. We we It's part of your microbiome. But is it a good bacteria? Is it a bad bacteria? Is it causing a disease? What is it? We don't know. Oh. Okay, I don't know. So
1: since you don't know that, there's a common thing that a lot of people ask for. Maybe you can, let's talk about this a little bit, is leaky gut and gluten. Because so, everywhere you turn, oh, gluten this free this-free. Every doctor you go to, oh, you know you need to be on a gluten-free diet it, It's become this phenomenon. so
3: most so people, what is a leaky so leaky gluten-free leaky a- gut is essentially a gut imbalance, a microbiome imbalance okay the you've microbiome. got too much bad stuff, too little good, good stuff, and then bad bacteria takes the field and viruses penetrate right so you've got this this you've got this dysbiosis right this imbalance that allows bad microbes to kind of pass on etc um most people do not tolerate gluten when they have this imbalance in their gut microbiome because they're missing microbes that probably are metabolizing you know gluten that are probably working on gluten think about i want you to restructure your thought process into thinking, instead of looking at you guys as three human beings, I want you to think that you are just a reservoir for microscopic bugs that are basic little beings that are craving certain food that are doing all the work for you to allow you to wake up and go to bed and and, uh, go to work. So when you start thinking... Wow, I'm just a reservoir for microbes and the microbes are really doing all the work. They're like, you know, potentially metabolizing my fat. They're potentially metabolizing my sugars. They're potentially metabol, you know, absorbing my dairy, you know, my calcium. How am I going to get calcium into my cells if I don't have those little microbes that are doing their thing with calcium? Or if I don't have these little microbes that are absorbing sugar or doing something with sugar, right? Mm -hmm. My Krebs cycle, my mitochondria, my cells do not function. So I know that humans beings, we tend to think of like, oh my God, it's all about me and I'm in this world and this person's evil and this person's in good. Remove yourself from the picture and just think of the microbiome and the microbiome is guiding your life. So don't you think we should like Understand it a little bit better to see which ones are the good bugs, which ones are the bad bugs, which ones could like allow us to live a little bit longer or at least understand where do these microbes go after. One of the fascinating studies that I'm doing.
0: She's absolutely right about that because see, no matter how many types of quote unquote diets I've been on. I've realized that a low sugar, low carbohydrate diet suits me the best. My gut feels better. I'm sleeping better. I have more energy. As much as people say, well, we need sugar and carbohydrates for energy. Not necessarily. Everybody's body is different.
3: And that's be- exactly. And that's because you, for your fingerprint of your microbiome, that's what you require. Now, another person who's vegan will say, I feel so much better because vegan because she has a finger i don't believe that no no but (laughs) but they feel better listen i have people that were chronic fatigue syndrome they went vegan they went vegetarian they feel a lot better planned diet they feel a lot better right but then you talk to the carnivore he feels so much better on his meat like so different temperaments Require different right. diets. See, what I'm curious lion, about is this. I let wa- me ask I, you. I, I would does want, a lion? I would, I would no, no, wait, want wait, wait, wait. Blood
0: work done does a
3: lion elephant? and an elephant eat the same food? No. Yes. Do you have you seen the microbiome of a lion and an elephant? It's
0: completely different.
3: Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. So a lion is mostly blood. They Correct. eat the prey. They eat the meat, and they're the type of animal that they are. Robust. They eat. they They're. You know. The Lion is the king of the kingdom. Now you look at an elephant, he's eating the grass, he's eating the dirt, he's eating the ticks. You know, there's ticks, there's ticks in the gut yeah, of yeah, the elephant. Of so it's a different microbiome. But here's a species that's functioning as an elephant, beautiful animal that's eating so different See, temperaments. Okay, those are two different so we species, have to realize though. that as human beings, we are different and we have to respect that. And that's why that respect needs to be. You know, uh, unilateral. You know, all around for respect of what we, whether we want to be vaccinated or not, or take this medication or not.
0: But it 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 goes back down to balance as well. See, like like I mentioned to you, I'm on a low carbohydrate diet. Doesn't mean I'm not eating carbohydrates. I am. I'm just limiting it to whatever my body is suitable to. Whereas. Someone who's a vegan, I'll promise you this: you go look at the blood work for a vegan. Blood I,
1: work doesn't mean anything.
0: Uh, you look at their iron levels. I promise you, their iron put, levels are super, you, you super can low. Have iron some of them, from look, other
1: some of them No,
3: look you, can't you, can't you can't say that. You can't say that. Can I'm, a spinach, bro. I'm a physician. I'm a physician, and I've taken care of a lot of vegans, um, of the and issues, their blood work is spectacular. One of the issues so, with medicine
1: is blood work because you know what they do? It's you and I can be doctors today. Well, yeah, four point three needs to be four point eight. Let's put them on this. That's not medicine, bro. You're just looking at charts. That's why blood work. I like what Nina's saying. Blood Maybe work, blood, doesn't blood mean type
2: anything. has something to do with this.
3: Yeah, I think there's there's all, sense, there's, there's temperaments. There's different cultures, different groups of people, different foods, different microbiomes. We need to respect that, and we need to keep the planet with its own microbes in different locations because diversity is what creates yeah. the planet. Loss of diversity is what kills the planet and the microbiome.
1: The, we learned that the, from the issue microbiome. is when you go to a doctor, they say, Well, get on a gluten-free diet. They don't speak to you about probiotics, prebiotics, enzymes, nothing. Zero. It's all about well, just they don't need any gluten. Oh, that's it? No, that's not it. Did that exist thirty years ago? So though? okay, no. you
3: have no. you have <laughs> ten minutes with a physician. Okay. if you're lucky with your insurance, (laughs) if they'll pay for 10 minutes, right? Because let's face it, that's a nice doctor. No, but your insurance, you know, $40 to the doctor, you know, that doesn't pay the secretary that's in the front, you know, and the the nurse and all that. So you have maybe five, 10 minutes with the doctor. Okay, so of course he's going to say, try this and try that. Okay, the reality is if you want to if you want to take longer and you want to educate, there's enough right now. To educate yourself and there's nutritionists out there and there's functional medicine doctors and you take the but that's time but there's too to... many components
1: though it, what, it but needs... okay
3: do you want someone that says okay you need to be first of all you just said something that i disagree with i don't put patients on pancre on enzymes do you know why why because you're you're basically giving enzymes to the patient
1: who uh, creates who... enzymes
3: instead of their pancreas working to right. secrete the enzyme. So you're essentially shutting down the pancreas. But that's what and you do what is with that everything. And what is that going to do when you start, you know, later on? Are you going to have chronic pancreatitis maybe? What does morphine taking-
1: do? What does metformin do? What does uh, 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 steroids do? Same thing.
3: Okay, right? but you just said, like, I'll give... Yes, no, but here's... But okay. at least
1: enzymes are, ju- are not
3: I think I personally like. think... Enzymes are more dangerous than a steroid. You think so? Yes, because I've treated a lot of chronic pancreatitis patients in my life that come in with diarrhea and stools that's floating, and that's impossible to treat. It's very difficult to treat a chronic pancreatitis
1: versus putting a patient who has. Well, I disease had a patient. I had a patient. Steroids. Let
3: me just tell you, I had a patient with that came in bleeding last mm-hmm. week, complete rectal bleed. Um, I couldn't stop him with probiotics and prebiotics. I had to stop the flood. Prednisone is what I used to stop the flood. So we have to come back and say, you're not a physician, right? No. So you couldn't possibly understand what it means to take care of a patient that's crashing and bleeding and that's 20 years old, Right.
1: That's a different, you're, you're no, talking about, not. no, it's not. You no, just no. said
3: it's worse than That's giving steroids. That's crashing and
1: bleeding because, but, but, but here's but what the, you don't. But
3: bleeding is crashing to this me. This is
1: what I see every day. I see oncologists pushing chemotherapy on well, a stage four cancer have? patient. What no, no, stage four have? cancer patient, really?
3: What else, Tell else do Tell me the they success have? rate. What else do they have? Zero,
1: the, don't do what anything. What else? That's more okay, effective so than chemo. Okay, so just put them in
3: hospice. Put them, put them on. Don't, don't, put them
1: on morphine.
0: No, They're I, gonna go. You
1: put stage, stage four can, on chemo. But what if they
3: want to live? Stage right, four guys, on chemo. I gotta go. But we're we're not gonna you, go into these discussions. No, I know, but you're torturing it's somebody. Total, okay, these are philosophical and, questions, and these are questions of freedom of choice. If my if I have you know if I have a patient when your that oncologist has is if you I that. have a patient that is terminal cancer and wants to see their grandchild live a little bit longer. Chemo is going to kill they, them sooner. Well, not necessarily. That's, that's the not field I do. That's what I see I had see a patient with pancreatic cancer that lived eight years, and she got to see her grandchild, and she got because to see. Chemo? Yes, because of chemo? Yes, thanks to chemo. So I could have said, you know what, go to hospice, you're going to be dead in six months, but I didn't.
1: You're not dead in six so months in hospice. That's a that's, Pancreatic that's cancer a we're talking about. That's a misconception. Pancreatic, not
3: from hospice, I know. I, I'm okay. talking about. We have a question. We have one cancer. more question about right, the uh, then fecal then transplant.
1: Yes. Uh, if the fecal <laughs> transplant recipient has this,
3: is a, why I didn't want to come for three years. <laughs> I knew I was going to be on this hot spot of like well, fire what, everywhere. was But that's okay. that's okay. That's good. Well, I'm, if, I can handle. You it. can
1: go on the view if you want I to just go, No. You know them to agree with everything.
3: Same. We're nice though. You're nice. Yes.
1: <laughs> so, uh, challenge. This individual is asking if the fecal transplant putting on the hot seat. If the fecal transplant recipient has a resistance to microbiomes and fights and destroys microbiome, how long would it take to discover that? If beneficial, how often they need to have the fecal transplant repeated? Also, is fecal transplant available in every hospital or specialized okay. centers?
3: loaded question, but I'm going to try to answer it. The first thing is fecal transplant is only available in America for C. diff. That's it. Um, there are places around the world that are probably doing fecal transplant. Um, that non for C. diff. If you want to do fecal transplant for non C. diff, you have to involve the FDA to allow you to do it and write a protocol to submit it. So academic centers, there's a ton of clinical trials on fecal transplant. I encourage everyone to go on clinicaltrials.gov and look for fecal transplant for your condition Um, You know, we're at the beginning of discovering what we're doing with fecal transplant and other diseases. Right now, we're seeing that fecal transplant and C. diff is really working well. And hopefully the pharmaceutical product will be helpful for those, you know. um, But if it doesn't, we're going to have to go back to, you know, the family members and your wife and spouse and kids. (laughs)
2: Guys, and uh, that's
3: why you have to be nice to your wife. Be
2: nice yeah. to your wife.
3: And yeah. the other thing is, if you want to like survive the next pandemic, is calm down your system and don't get too excited.
0: Take take care of yourself. That's what the take most important. Take care of what, yourselves as, and love each as, other as, as much as you know. We've said it on the show as well. Find that true life. I don't want to say diet because diet's the wrong word. Find that true lifestyle as far as what your gut. Eat, yes. What you need to actually ingest yes. into your body where that takes care of you, whether it's a uh, vegan diet, carnivore diet, keto diet, doesn't matter. Or f- seafood f- diet. Continue to do research on your body to find out what fits you best and exercise. Move around, don't stay immobile. That's what's most important as yes. well. Um, All right, Doctor Hazen, thank you so much My for pleasure. taking time out of your thank Wednesday you. to thank you with us. us. We you. hope you'll come back.
3: I will. No, there sure
0: we not. go. She's like, fuck you guys. You guys, <laughs> right. guys, check out her book. I'll bring,
3: I'll bring you a Biden cap next
0: time. Oh Jesus!
3: <laughs> so <laughs> so you'll you'll you Looks like we're I gonna have a bonfire during
1: back.
0: He will wear that hat.
3: Okay, perfect. I'll come back. We'll have a nice
0: bonfire with some marshmallows. Oh, we're expecting some of our calling on the show.
3: Yes, we'll bring you right. some colleagues. Yeah. Perfect. Guys, it, check it, out our book. Some of the warriors.
0: Yeah, check out our book, Let's Talk Shit. It's available is it available on Amazon? Yes, and all it's that? available there on Amazon. So pick that up and you can uh, And then we've got
1: this one too Regenesis, Regenesis. is the
3: Regenesis project that we're Ooh, doing I didn't see this where one. we're looking at the brain and the gut. Dr. Jordan, myself, and um basically we're and Dr. Good now. We're looking at he's fixing the brain, I'm fixing the gut, and hopefully we can, you know, head well, but not only that, but hopefully improve yeah. uh, neurological diseases. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. And you if know, you guys we relate got, to you the know, show,
0: you, we talked about it with the Alzheimer's, with the autism and uh, yes. uh, ADD and, 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 and all that stuff. And we I
3: think, like, honestly, we need to, like, leave COVID behind. COVID, it's over. The virus is mild now. Move forward and explore other to fix other diseases. Autism needs our help. Parkinson's needs our help. Alzheimer's, cancer. We gotta move forward and move this train fast forward into the future, so we can heal humanity. Amen. That's it. Thank, that's you. A, that's a
0: Thank way, you. That's a great way. That's a great way to end. way to way to end the show. It's a good way to end the show. To heal wish. humanity. And-
3: <laughs> Kumbaya.
0: That's it. <laughs> uh, thank, to, thank you doctor you can't we, go appreciate, the whole we appreciate your time Taiwan. everybody today's podcast will be up and running on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts all major platforms, Manana uh, have a great week, have a great weekend and we'll see you guys back to regular Mondays. Mondays, Monday programming we'll see you guys next Monday